You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 14. Today, we're in Kilian. Hello, my name's Richard Moore. Nervous, Richard Moore, because... Um, Francois is going to surprise me in this episode. I'm not sure what with yet. I'm very nervous about it. I'm well, no, it won't be a big surprise. I was just uh, kind of joking. No, the surprise is... Uh, uh, it's coming already. Yeah. Uh, the, the surprise is also that, that that on my left, it's not Lionel Bernie anymore. No, Lionel's gone. We've been uh, rejoined. We thought we weren't going to be tonight, but she chickened out of going on the motorbike <laughs> tomorrow. Kate Wagner's back. Hello. <laughs> for two nights. Well, you have to understand my thinking here, Richard. I have never been on a motorbike in my life, and I don't think that the time to learn how to be a passenger on a rotor- on a motorbike is on in Andorra on massive Category 1 climbs going 150 kilometers an hour in the in rain. In the rain. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you've made the right decision. But I will still be on a motorbike at a later date. Yeah, you will go on the motorbike one day, and I'm sure you will come back with a... Yeah, a go, gripping go, account of that. Go for the time trial. <laughs> the time trial. They, they offered me the time trial. <laughs> oh, no, thanks. It's short. You can't fall. You know, no. it's all flat. No. No, it's fine. You'll you'll enjoy it a lot. Um, well, it's, it's good to have you back, Kate. You must have missed us. I did miss you quite terribly in my two-star hotels. <laughs> well, we haven't graded up that much tonight, but uh, we're doing okay. We're mm-hmm. doing okay. La- last night, I even slept in, in somebody's place. We had hired an Airbnb and or something, and when I when I got there, he was in Côte-Minervois, nice little town near Carcassonne, and the tour had gone through the village. So all the guys had been boozing all day, all day long, and and the guy who was supposed to have me in his in his place. He was a little bit, what could I say? Yeah, it was totally a bit worse the worse the worse for wear. It, well, yeah, it was totally wasted, and uh, and so he said, well, I, I have no rooms left in my in my in my place. I mean, I, I booked my, my flat twice. And so he put me up at, at a friend's of his, and the friend of his, in the, in the, well, he was fine, good guy, you know. Great. Well, at least you were safe, Francois. No star hotel. You <laughs> no star hotel. <laughs> um, well, in tonight's episode, we are going to hear from Lionel. Um, we recorded a bit with him this morning. We're going to get a preview of tomorrow's big stage to Andorra from Joe Laverick, the Haggins Berman action rider, um, who went out and wrecked it the other day for us, also for, for himself. Um for training uh so we're going to hear from from joe a bit later on we're going to play out with a remarkable song inspired by kate um not performed by her however uh and we'll hear from mike woods the new king of the mountains but onto the tale of the etap carcassonne to quillon uh stage 14 183.7 kilometers uh two non-starters for a song cry anderson and Warren Bargill, now Carl Anderson obviously came off in that big crash yesterday, which seemed to be caused by gravel in the road. He went a long way down a uh, kind of ravine, and I saw footage this morning from the DSM mechanic. He was wearing a GoPro, and he really was a long way down. It was an awful crash. Um, yeah, amazing that he really that he was able to climb back back yeah, up. And he and brought his bike. Yeah. He, he, he brought his bike back. You know, cyclocross style out of the. Pushes. I mean, it was impressive. The guy who, who had, you know, nearly made the cut by one second the, the, the day before. You know, very, very hard season and tour for Cryanderson, who last year was uh, among the, the Sunweb guys who, uh, you know, lighted this Tour de France. Yeah, they're having a, 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 a tough season, Team DSM, overall. Warren Bargill, do you know what happened to, yeah, to him? He was, he was involved in the same crash. Uh, he, he made it to the finish, but he had a, he said he was a crash too many because he had crashed in the in the early days as well, and um, and apparently his team doctor said uh, you'd better stop, you know, uh, Warren. And so he said he was sorry, and he sent a little note uh, on the WhatsApp, uh, you know, on the, in the Arkea something WhatsApp group, and uh, well, saying that you know he was sorry, but he had he had to stop because his back his back was in a bad way and was silly to go on. So there you are. Crash has been such a theme of this tour, and again today we saw more crashes but at the start of the stage some flourishes from Julian Alaphilippe having a having a little dig Matty Mohoric was uh, was having a go as well at one point we'll maybe hear from Kate about Mohoric later on she's developed a real rapport with him um, 
Mattia Catania, another Declinic Quick Step rider, um, and Wout Poles got away uh, eventually. I mean, the, the, you know, it was a good 70 or 80 kilometers before a break really went away, and it was it was full on. And I did fear for Tim De Clark, our audio diarist, who was struggling early on after being involved with that, in that crash yesterday as well. But he was okay in the end. Um, we saw a real battle playing out on the roads today for the King of the Mountains competition. Wat Poles and Michael Woods going for that. On the Col de Montségur, uh, it was Poles who out-sprinted Woods. Um, and those two were, were up front. There was a little tap on the back from Poles to Woods at that point, signalling, you know, let's just carry on. They all had almost 100 kilometres to go, um, so it was a long way. But a group, a strong group of riders came up to them. Um, Catano... Sergio Iguita, Patrick Conrad, Omar Friley, Louis Menkes on the attack. We don't often see him on the attack, but he was on the attack today. Esteban Chavez of Team Bike Exchange, Guillaume Martin of Cofidis, and Balcom Mollema of Trek Segafredo. Um, there was a front group of 14 then by the Côte de Galinag. <laughs> well, may you laugh. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Galinag. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And on the descent, Mike Woods crashed, just uh, went down, uh, slipped out. We'll hear from him a bit later on. Quite heavily, obviously, on the descent, but he got back up and uh, back on to that group. And, well, Barcamolema did a classic Barcamolema. He attacked a long way out, 41 kilometres to go. Kind of just slipped away on a descent. Um, but he's a very difficult man to get back once he gets away. Uh, he's a, he's won a lot of races in this. I won a stage at the Tour years ago like this he won Il Lombardia like this um, a very very strong rider and he got a gap of a minute and despite the riders behind chasing pretty hard with one exception Patrick Conrad was sitting on that group um, and he spoke to our German colleagues at the finish and told them that he was sitting on because he was protecting Wilco Kelderman's GC position Wilco Kelderman is sixth overall at the start of the day he slipped down to seventh the presence of Guillaume Martin there, who started the day ninth, um, made a lot of the teams nervous about him leapfrogging their riders onto the podium, which is what he did in the end. But, well, maybe we'll discuss that. It seemed a slightly questionable tactic from Conrad, but he won the sprint for second ahead of Higita, Catano and Woods, who took the King of the Mountains jersey. Overall, Pogacar still leads with Guillaume Martin now at four minutes four um, in the Ben O'Connor role. Um, uh, Rigoberto Uran drops down a place and he's 5.18 back Wilco Kelderman drops down to 7th King of the Mountains, Woods, Quintana and Poles Who's winning the team's classification? Bahrain, Bahrain Victorious Well done And Kate, you um, spoke to Marich at the finish And that's that's one of their goals That is their goal now, basically He told me that actually in a different interview a couple of days ago Uh that yeah, they're all in on going for the. They're, they plan to take the team's classification to Paris, and he said today, and when I talked to him at the finish, that they were all attacking at the beginning of the stage because it wasn't just Mahorch. I mean, I mean, while Poles went into the break, he was finally successful. Colbrelli had a little. Colbrelli well. had a dig, and then so did Marco Haller. I mean, so did Peo. They all had a. It, was, it wasn't a stage for Marco Haller. No, but no, they no all disrespect. tried. They all tried because they thought that any move was gonna be the move, and so like getting all those guys up there, like getting them in breakaways, like all of that was for the team's classification. Who Who's second in the team's classification? Mm, that's a very good question. Yeah, I don't actually know. Uh, no. EF, Education, Nippo. Huh. Oh, wow, who's wow. third? UAE? AG2R. Wow. Citroen. Oh, wow. No, I didn't, didn't know that. Any Oscar and Adidas, that's yeah, well, stop well, there. I'll tell you what. It, 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 well, the fact that we don't know, and and uh, because I was about to say that for many years, I think how, how many six or seven years in succession, Movistar won the team classification. Uh, used to be AG Two R was going for it in the, the old days. I I understand, you know, that the, the the message there, you know, team effort, you know, collective effort, and blah blah blah. But how many? Well, how much money does it, uh, you know? 50,000 euros. Yeah, it's apparently. like 50,000 euros. And, well, okay, right? right. I mean, when you know the, 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 the wages and the salaries of, of, of guys in these teams, it, that's, a, that's a lot of money. Does it really 
you know, matter in for the sponsors, the 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 public. I mean, they get a spot on the podium in Paris. They're in the, on the podium in Paris. And I think we got an insight into this from the movie star Netflix series. I know where, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> Usebe Unzue made a big thing about it, and it was a real go. And and for them to to, to tell their sponsors that they've won the team classification at the tour, I think, is quite a big deal. I remember when EF. Uh, or maybe they were Garmin at the time. We're going for it a few years ago. It was it took on real importance for them. Yeah, but you know, once again, I don't want to downgrade everything. And and so and sometimes you you think ASO if they want to to push up uh, a classification, may may put may put a little bit more money there or a little bit more something. But but let's face it, you know, teams go for one yellow jersey, two stages, three uh, polka dot, four. Uh, green jersey, and and then you know what's left. Uh, and yet here we are talking about <laughs> it. Yeah, and yet they also won two stages. So true. They've had a pretty successful tour compared to I, I don't know, like most, most they, 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 everyone they sh- else. They should leave the the, the disposition to movie star, where it cl- clearly belongs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They're not even in the top five, so maybe not. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Super Sapiens, our title sponsor. We're very grateful to them for their support. Um, I'll be meeting up with some of the Super Sapiens team in Andorra, which I'm looking forward to. Let's hear from our latest competition entrant. We're running a competition with Super Sapiens. You can win three months worth of the sensors that attach to your upper arm and stay there for two weeks measuring your blood glucose levels. You can track your... um, blood glucose on your phone on the app and it's uh, fascinating if you're out riding your bike or or just um watching how it how your body responds to, to eating or as we heard last night from alexis ryan to having a, a pint of beer um let's hear from our latest competition entrant here this is jd carpentieri hello i've been a friend of the cycling podcast since 2015 i think and i've loved it since 2019 however I've been having seizures or seizure-like episodes after some cycling rides, and it seems to be related to my blood glucose levels, but it's not related in an obvious way. For example, it's not like I do a hard ride and then I have an episode. Sometimes I can do a really easy ride and have an episode, and then the next day I can do a really long hard ride and feel absolutely fine. So I feel that with continuous glucose monitoring, I'd be able to get a handle on the underlying big picture patterns and trends of my blood glucose and get a handle on why this is happening. And thus, then I could stop it from happening. Okay, thanks a lot. I'm really enjoying the podcast uh, during the tour. Well, thanks for your entry, JD. I'm not, I don't, not just got the initials, not sure what your first name is, but good luck to you. If you'd like to enter the competition, Go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you'll see how to uh, send in your clip of audio of a minute or less um, and tell us how and why you'd use Super Sapiens to help you. Um, and thanks once again to Super Sapiens. Well, Balka Mollema, um, it was a classic Mollema win today. Trek Segafredo have been pretty active, haven't they? They've been trying a lot to get this stage when we saw Mollema himself uh, on the attack on the Mont Ventoux stage. He was... Uh, with Kenny Ellison chasing down Wout van Aert, um, but finally got his reward today. It was a it was a classic transition stage, wasn't it? Um, we didn't learn an awful lot else. It was a, it was one for the breakaway. Yeah, a little bit more than this uh, uh, in a way, because if you look at the, it, it's very rare that you have such a strong break actually in yes. a Grand Tour. All the guys you had there uh, were only five or six years ago from some of them, or even more recently for some of them, GC contenders. Including Molema. Yeah, including Molema, who was six in the Tour de France, his best result, three times in the top ten, I think. Guillaume uh, Martin. Yeah, Guillaume Martin, of course. He's, well, he's, all, he's, he's kind of bubbling you know, in the top ten. But Mike Woods. Esteban Chavez. Mike Woods. Uh, you know, Mike Woods. I mean, th- these guys, I mean, th- th- there was a real, you know, it was actually all the, 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 the how could I say, the ruined hopes of the beginning of the tour maybe guys who had left strength in the crashes in Brittany who, who, who knew they had a chance there to uh, you know assert their position and um, well win a stage if possible and, and and probably the strongest of, of all these guys I mean he showed it was was Bakumalema because the, the way he won is the way he always wins I mean he won the Tour de France stage in Puy-en-Velay 
2017 it was, I think, uh, exactly in the same fashion, uh, attacked uh, from 30 kilometers from the, the finish and won it. His, his tour of Tour de Lombardy wins win was uh, you know in the same mold. I mean that's the way that's the way it does it, and 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 every and everybody knows it. But sometimes uh, there is nothing you can do about it because he's, he he reads with experience now and his skills and his uh, engine is he, he, he you know he knows exactly. He, he said he he had actually looked at the stage on uh, on. Um, uh, yeah, on, on an application on on, on the GPS and and and, and yet really well not rec- reckon the um, the stage, but it, it, and he said he had he had noticed exactly the, the 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 moment when he should attack because he said that 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 was a dangerous moment, one of the dangerous moments of the uh, of the stage, and that's when he went and uh, well and, and yeah, you know Conrad who was under orders not to to help with the chase or to contribute to Martin gaining any more time. Um, he was surprised. He said that nobody went with Molima because he, you know, he did attack at a, a point where others perhaps wouldn't have been expecting it. I guess probably the the, the stronger of the of, of the guys that there or the strongest at the start of the of the breakaway was probably what Pools and Michael Woods, but they were battling for the polka dot. Yeah, that and so they lost lots of energy yeah. sprinting in the in in the climbs, and so they couldn't go along with um, you know with Molema. I mean, he he made the best of, of 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 the situation. You know, he knew Woods and and Pools. Okay, they're going for the polka dot. Uh, Conrad protecting Wilco Kellerman position. Other guys, you, you you had Paché, Roland, uh, a few French guys there, who obviously were, you know were not strong enough to do to to, to be. Uh, Sergio Iguita was probably one of the riders who, who didn't play it well. You know, who were really kind of outwitted by uh, by Molema. But yeah, no, he, he, the more experienced, probably the, the the best rider in the, one of the very best riders riders in the lot, and the other ones, you know, pursuing other goals. It's really interesting that thing about you know sprinting for King of the Mountains points when there is a very fierce competition going on for the King of the Mountains mm-hmm. jersey, and you know I thought it cost Quintana on the stage to Tina. He kind of prioritised that over trying to win the stage. It seemed to me now the weather didn't help either, and he suffered in the cold. But today as well, I think with Watt Poles and Mike Woods, that they were really locked in a very um, energetic yeah it, it looked ex- exhausting and, and you you do pay for those efforts massively especially and, on climbs yeah and well that leads nicely into um hearing from mike woods um who well we'll have to have a corrections corner after we hear from him um but uh he's in the king of the mountains jersey and you know he came here i think wanting to ride for gc crashed yes. on day one uh, then he targeted stage wins now he's in king of the mountains jersey you know where do his priorities now lie I'm really proud. I believe this is the first time a Canadian's worn this jersey, so uh, it's a really special moment for me. Uh, the only thing that's dampening my excitement is uh, having crashed uh, earlier in the stage. I was totally surprised by that corner. I uh, just slid out and uh, ticked off myself. Were you hurt, Mike, or no, how bad No, just scraped up, but uh, hopefully uh, it just scraped up. But uh, hopefully I'll get a good night's sleep tonight and uh, be good toward tomorrow. Do you think you'd have been up there, you know, fighting for the stage win had that not happened? Uh no, um, I think the way the race played out, uh, yeah, it impacted me trying, coming back after the crash. But uh, I don't think I would have followed Malmo when he uh, when he went. Uh, like he always, he often does that, and no one else wants to go when he does that. And I, I also had the my uh, eye on the KOM jersey as well. So you can only have your focus on so many things. I was going for like I wanted both, but eventually you have to pick. And if I were to have tried to bridge it across to Molma, that would have cost me in terms of maybe uh, going into that last cat two and, and Wout Powell's coming over top of me. So I had to kind of play those cards and, and uh, be a bit more conservative. Yeah, I got to try and get in the break again. I think that's going to be essential in terms of defending the jersey. There's a lot more points on offer tomorrow. Uh, so I'm hoping I can heal up well tonight. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, obviously if stage wins still uh, I'd like to do, but uh, the KOM jersey is first priority now. Corrections corner from Mike Woods, Francois. Yeah, he, he, he thinks, he thought, and in good faith, obviously, that he was the first Canadian to uh, all the uh, polka dot jersey. But I had, um, you know, from the, there, there is a stats, uh, there's a stats service for the Tour de France, who um, you know send me uh, messages from time to time, and uh, actually, 
Alex Tida. You remember Alex yeah. Tida? He was the first North American, I think, to uh, to uh, all the yellow jersey, and that, that's uh, that's what that, that's what he's best known 86. for. Eighty six. But in the same Tour de France, he also held the polka dot jersey for five days. So uh, yeah, Mike, I'm sorry, mate, but <laughs> 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 there was someone before you. 86, that was your first tour, right? It was my first tour, yeah, and I can't remember anything about it. I mean, <laughs> about Stila holding uh, uh, the, the polka dot jersey, to be honest. Well, and I'm sad to be losing my driver after a few days. Well, Rich, I thought the least I could do during my short stint would be to take the pressure off. You've been driving the cycling pod car, a very nice hybrid Skoda. Um, since the start in Brittany, 10 days at the wheel. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of a break, but hopefully Mitch can do some driving uh, when he arrives on the race next week. What have you uh, made of your few days at the Tour, Lionel? It's been good to be back in the groove. Have you felt back in the groove? Um, Partially. I think parallel to the groove, maybe. It's very different parachuting into the Tour once it's already established and been through the first rest day. And it's kind of given me a different perspective on the whole event. Uh, I've come into the point where everything seems to have relaxed a little bit. And there's not that same intensity and, and stress, I guess, that you get when you come in. Everyone comes into the Tour de France. Riders, staff, media absolutely everyone all, all the staff actually working on the race all the kind of um, tension and stress is really apparent isn't it when you you come to the grand départ wherever it is everyone's raring to go and by the time i arrived everyone's a bit more tired i guess and uh, into the rhythm and routine of it and the, the shake up and sort out has happened in the race and and uh, yeah so i i came in with my dial turned up to sort of eight and a half nine and realize that i could turn it down a little bit and uh, just just coast in follow your wheels you and francois have obviously um you know made it very easy for me to just slot back in and i've really enjoyed it yeah. just call us uh, davide ballerini and michael morkov <laughs> yeah it's a bit like picking up a, a novel and starting to read it halfway through isn't it yeah and that's the other thing the one thing about watching the tour at home is you see much more of the actual race that's broadcast on the tv so you see a sort of a complete but two-dimensional picture and when you're here you see an incomplete but three-dimensional picture um you know you see the you see the riders bandaged up um that that you might not catch on the tv you kind of see the people and the personalities around the team buses and you you get uh, snippets that you you don't really sort of absorb through the tv that you do from being here and the other thing of course is your you're in the landscape, you know, this part of France is is so stunning. Um, you really appreciate the, the sense of journey. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's how I think of it, really. Watching at home on um, TV gave me a fuller picture of one aspect of the race. Um, and, and being here, you know, I've barely thought about the GC because it hasn't really been heavy GC days, but I've really enjoyed what I've seen. A GC man, are you more of a more of a sprinter, a ruler? Um, yeah, funny you should mention that. Just a, a detail that I didn't mention in the podcast last night, but you were at the finish line, Lionel. I was just beyond it in the mix zone, and My- Michael Matthews, as he as just after crossing the line, was he let out this this kind of yell, this scream yell of of, of pain and anguish, and I was. I think it was probably because his team had had such a bad day, and 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 having then um, not got the result in the sprint they looked like he might get about 50 meters before the line it was probably just frustration anger rage and um, because they lost two riders of course um a bad a bad day for for him and you do witness things like that and it gives you a little insight i suppose into some of the other stories in and around the tour um well lionel we 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 you know mark Cavendish arrived by train in carcassonne you're leaving by train from carcassonne absolutely i'm, I'm very sad to be missing andorra um, no, <laughs> no coincidence. Um, although joking aside, I mean the logistics have been tricky this year for somebody based in the UK. Um, it was quite difficult knowing what the rules were going to be, both entering France. I mean originally, um, I would have had to quarantine for seven days coming into France, but double vaccinated people are allowed in after 14 days of from their the date of their second vaccination and and that's why i was only able to come in on the second week which one of the reasons anyway 
Um, and yeah, the uncertainty of all of that, you know, you, again, coming out to the Tour de France and, and seeing just how uh, much France has returned to normality, really. Nîmes, the other night, was on one sense quite unsettling because I haven't been in any significant crowds for, well, coming up for a couple of years, I guess. And just that sense of hope that maybe this time next year um, the Tour de France will be sort of, you know, back to what we knew in 2019 rather than this sort of, I guess this is a hybrid Tour de France, isn't it? A nice link back to the car, Lionel, because we were very grateful to Skoda for this hybrid car. It's something we've talked about in the past, doing the Tour in an electric car. This is a hybrid, but... Um, it's it's very uh, well, very quiet. You don't know when when the engine goes on, and it's very nice to drive. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed driving our Skoda Superb. There's a lot more um, in the name of the car than that. I'll look it up while you tell us your impressions of the car. Well, it's, I mean, it is. Yeah, I, I pressed the ignition button the first time I got into it, and then pressed it again, thinking the engine hadn't started. But it always starts in electric mode, so you don't you don't you don't hear the in, internal combustion engine go. Um, and then how it flips between one and the other, and uh, the petrol engine charges the battery as you're driving. I mean, it's uh, it's wizardry, isn't it? I mean, it's science that's beyond me, I'm afraid. Yes, uh, Lionel, it's actually a superb hatch Sportline Plus 1.4. TSI IV 21.8 PS DSG. I mean, fair play. It's a catchy name. <laughs> Can you repeat it, please? <laughs> no. Um, it'll take me a few years to learn that one. Anyway, hi- comes highly recommended. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Science and Sport, our sponsor since 2016. Grateful to them for their support, of course. Um, I'll be using some Science Sport products when I go for a bike ride in Andorra. Maybe even tomorrow, but certainly on Monday. And I'm looking forward to that. If you want 25% off all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25. There you go, um, 25% off. Good to hear from Lionel there just before the break and uh, we bid him adieu and we'll uh, abiento. We'll see him soon. Um, but I think he enjoyed his few days at the Tour de France, especially last night, Francois. That was a mm. very entertaining evening, wasn't it? It was excellent. Yeah, really good. Don't want to make you give you any FOMO <laughs> here, Kate. But Sorry, was, FOMO. It was a very entertaining evening. That that will be Monday's Kilometre Zero uh, as well, our our meeting with uh, winemaker Robert Eden. What a character he was. <laughs> <laughs> um, a great find by Francois. Um, before we look ahead to tomorrow's big stage to Andorra, um, which uh, and we'll get a preview of that from Joe Laverick in a moment, but Kate, there was one thing you want to say about today's stage. Yeah, I thought that today one of the most interesting developments was that this was really the first day, like the first real day, where we saw UAE form, first of all, like a train and really try and seize control of what was a completely out of control stage. From the very beginning, it was full gas all the time, constant attacks. It was like 100 kilometers of insanity. Everyone, every Mohoric told me today that everyone wanted in that breakaway because they knew that breakaway was going to win. And so eventually UAE being the protector of the yellow jersey, got so tired of chasing down these constant surges and attacks that like really surely do tire out the legs that they decided around, you know, with 100 kilometers to go that they were going to shut it down. Uh, and they were, I guess, somewhat successful at this. They, But you could tell that they were a little bit disorganized, that they're still not quite there. I don't, it's not necessarily clear, for example, who's the road captain, like who is calling the shots on the road. Like it all seems still kind of fractured. And even though they managed to calm things, eventually it took them like 10 kilometers to calm things. And during those 10 kilometers, Guillaume Martin escaped in Ben O'Connor fashion or whatever. Uh, and part of it is that part of, I guess they were f- kind of fine with Guillaume Martin escaping, even though he was on GC because he, he still was so far back that even if they gave him five minutes, it wouldn't mean anything. But also at the same time, I think it speaks to the fact that there were just holes in the defense. So... It's one or the other, depending on, like, it's like vanilla or chocolate, right? You can mm. choose the more flattering explanation, or you can choose 
the I yeah, guess. I, yeah, I think that there's not uh, there's not a road captain. That that's the thing they're missing. I mean, they had, they had their injuries as well. You know, Brent McNulty, Mark Hershey. So so it was and Mike yesterday. Was the mo- most experienced rider in the team. So so maybe Rick kind Costa, of, I suppose, would yeah, be Rick Costa the would the be would be this guy. But but I, I, but I think the, the the decision not to chase behind uh, O'Connor the day he won his stage and and not to chase behind Guillaume Martin is made by you know somebody else uh, uh, you know acting uh, acting in the shadows no, <laughs> i mean a guy so, i mean the, the the obviously the staff said you know d- don't don't bother about ben o'connor and and he was as we saw he, he couldn't hold to his second place and so the, in a way the same applies to guillaume martin i'm not, I'm not saying that, that there is con- contempt for these guys guillaume martin has already already be a top 12 top 11 uh, tour rider but i i, I my uh, impression is that they don't think that these guys are really. He's not going a threat. No, no. he's not I a threat. Mean, not I a mean, threat. it's the teams that that are eyeing the podium that would regard him as a threat. And it was it was a bit disappointing to hear Patrick Conrad, um, you know, say that his sitting on the, the group when you know you looked at that group and thought they should be able to get Bakamolama back uh, if they all worked. But you, you can't really commit fully if you've got a guy like Patrick Conrad sitting on. Uh, it seems a bit a bit of a bit of a poor excuse not not to work to be perfectly honest but um <laughs> guillaume martin we can't you know we can't uh, just completely uh, brush past his uh, achievement first philosopher on the podium of this <laughs> tour um but you know he's, he's an interesting guy well you spoke to him a couple of days ago didn't you francois yeah I, I spoke to him before the you know at the start yesterday actually and i he, he, he well i asked him about the the way he he's, he's so you know he forecast the the Pyrenees, and and he told me that you know because at, at the end at the beginning of the tour, he said he was going for stage wins like it's you know all all the riders when they they go for GC for a couple of years and then when they see that you know the only like thing Volima. yeah the only thing they can hope for will be at best you know top five when, when if really they overperform uh, after a while they say okay forget the, the, the let's forget the top ten let's go for stage wins and that, that's that was the philosophy without any pun you know for for <laughs> Martin at the start of this Tour de France and he, and he found himself with that kind of philosophy without the pressure of you know riding conservatively for uh, in in nine overall so he, he told me he told me that well obviously he was he was hoping to keep this top 10 position but also he said that the positions now I mean it was yesterday are so I mean the gaps are so wide that there, you've got gaps at halfway through the tour that are gaps you, you, you don't even get sometimes in Paris that he thought that, that the, the gaps were so huge that he was Absolutely certain, UAE Team Emirates would would let him go if he went. So he knew what was uh, cooking. Now the thing is, they're not going to drop Guillaume Martin very much in the mountains. Uh, so 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 really, his aggressive, you know, and and, and uh, going for it attitude is probably the best. Is is probably going to? I mean. You never know, in, 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 you know, that's speculation. But given his strength in the mountains, and we've got a very long Pyrenees program until Wednesday, uh, it, it'll be very difficult to uh, to topple uh, Guillaume Martin from the top five or six, I guess. Let's look ahead to tomorrow's stage, to Andorra. Um, and, uh, well, let's hear from a young rider, Joe Laverick. Joe has been keeping an audio diary for us this year. One of three young riders keeping audio diaries for Friends of the Podcast. We've released two episodes already. Joe's had a difficult season so far, riding for Hagen's Berman Action. He was on the AG2R development team last year. Um, he's had a knee injury, but he's about to return to racing, and he's been training hard in Andorra. So he went and wrecked this stage for us. Bonjour, hola, hello, and welcome to Andorra. It's Joe Laverick bringing you a Stage 15 recon. Um, apologies if I sound a bit tired. I've just, well, I'm currently on top of the mountain. I've ridden just over five hours so far with 3,700 meters of elevation. So excuse any pronunciations. Stage 15, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a classic. It's 190 kilometers, starts in Surrey in France, and finishes Andorra la Vera, which is the capital city and the highest capital city in Europe. A lot of guys are going to be on familiar roads because a source tells me 37 riders who lined up on the start line of this year's tour are residents in Andorra. And yeah, it's going to be a cracker. The first 20k goes straight uphill, so make sure you're watching from the gun because I think the break will go very early and I th- I'm almost sure it's going to be the break that wins it. So we climb, we then descend, climb up to 80 kilometers again 
Um, and it's after 80 kilometers where it really starts to get interesting. We hit the Col de Poimarens, followed by Port d'Anvalera, which is the highest point of this year's Tour de France, the Henri Desrange point, however you say it. It's just over 2,400 meters. And those two climbs, they do have a small descent in between them. But trust me, it's basically one long climb. And all in all, it's about 30k long. Um, and if the wind is like it has been this last few weeks, it's going to be a strong headwind up there, which could be decisive in the race. So if it's not the elevation, if it's not the climbing, if it's not the 15 stages, the wind could, I'm not saying crosswinds, but it just could make that stage even harder. Um, once we get over Port Valera, which is, as I said, a very hard climb, there's then an incredible descent, an absolutely awesome descent of 20 kilometers down to the Col de Bechelis. You're easily, well, I comfortably hit 75 kilometers an hour down this descent, like paying attention to all the roads, like no risks. So don't be surprised to see 100k an hour um, coming down this descent. Um, and then we hit the Col de Bechelis, which is it's only, well, I say only, it's six and a half kilometers and it averages just over eight and a half percent. But there are points at the start which are 12, 13 percent for a kilometer. And it's often in many places, it's just it's the width of a single car. I think it's one of the hardest climbs in Andorra. And it's not the sort of climb you attack off the front. It's the sort of climb that guys go off the back. Um, and I think that's where the, the winning move will be made. Because coming over the top of the Col de Bechelis, um, and as I said, if you go in the red on the Bechelis, you are, you're pretty dead. It's then 20 kilometers descent down to the finish line. Uh, it's quite twisty, but it's not dangerous. And I'd say the winner... The winner will come from a small group who crests the Col de Bechelis. Andorra gets an unfair rep, to be honest. It's a, it's a tax haven, so... That obviously plays a part to the unfair rep. Um, and if you pay more than 10% tax here, you're doing something wrong. But I'll be honest with you, I've been here three weeks now, and it's one of the most it's one of the most incredible countries I've ever been to. Um, I think it's the safest country I've ever been to. It's beautiful. Everybody is polite. Everybody is courteous. And I can see why you'd want to live here. Tax, tax aside, altitude aside, it's like you're always living at altitude, so it's perfect for pro cyclists. But it's just such a calm, relaxing lifestyle, and... I say, just looking around me now, I've got mountains, 360 degrees. Come and visit this place for a week and you'll, you'll understand what the fuss is about. Added into that, it's a lot easier for Aussies and Americans to get residency here than kind of normal European countries. That's why it's exploding. And again, I've been told that uh, about 100, there's about 100 pro cyclists living here full time now, including guys such as uh, Julian Alaphilippe, George Bennett, Alex Dalsit, Rowan Dennis. Like, you've got the creme de la creme of the world who are living here. So yeah, it's it's a special place, and I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, just going back to the stage quickly, I think, I, as I say, it's going to be a breakaway win. I think we'll see some GC gaps. I think Pozhikar is just being awesome this race. I think he will go clear on the Bechelis and put a bit of time into everyone else. But for the stage win, I think it's going to be the local guy. Guys don't get to race on local roads very often, so... Hmm... Sepp Kuss would be a good shout, but I think he'll be on domestic duty for Jonas Vindegaard. So Julian Alaphilippe is my call for the stage. It's a hard, hard climb at the end, but Alaphilippe has shown he's got the legs. And that long, twisting descent into like into Andorra La Vella, yeah, it suits Alaphilippe's characteristics as a rider. So Julian Alaphilippe's where my money is. Expect fireworks. Watch this stage. You will be blown away by the scenery of Andorra. Blown away by the beauty i expect to see countless world tour pros on the side of the road supporting Ineos are on a training camp here at the minute mitchelton bike exchange mitchelton scott whatever they're called at the minute are also on a training camp so you'll see some familiar faces on the road you'll see some incredible bike racing um yeah don't miss it Well, that was Joe Laverick with his guided tour of Andorra, doing a great job of selling Andorra. They almost convinced me. I don't think it'll convince Lionel, um, but uh, he certainly presented a different side to Andorra uh, in that little um, preview of tomorrow's stage. And, well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, what do we expect to happen tomorrow, Kate? <laughs> Put you on the spot. What do we expect to happen tomorrow, Francois? Uh, a race. Yes. Yeah. Maybe rain. It's a juicy day, I think. No, it's a juicy day. And of if course. it's rain, I think it's a Tade Pogacar day. Yeah, that's that, his uh, environment. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, th that's 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 a huge uh, Pyrenees stage with the Port d'Anvalira. That's the highest uh, mountain pass in the Pyrenees, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, before a rest day, 
So I mean, if you don't, if we, if we don't see a big battle, you know, tomorrow, then when will we? Uh, well, th then, then when are we going to get it? So yeah, I, 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 sus I suspect a big day of battle, a really juicy day. Uh, because we, well, we we've seen a little bit of it, but they always let you know the breakaway go. Uh, we see Ben O'Connor, Dylan Toons within the, the the short mountain stages in the Alps. We this one's almost two hundred kilometers. Yeah, that's right. And and I, I think we, we we should and maybe we could hope for uh, 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 you know a big battle for the GC. And 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 I like it when the battle for the GC and the battle for the stage win are one and the same thing. We can't guarantee that, but if it was the case, it would be nice. Indeed. I should say at this point that we are looking for questions for our press conference episode on Monday for the second rest day. We had loads of questions last week, couldn't get through them all. We don't have very many for this week. It'll be myself, Francois and Mitch Docker answering your questions. So do email us, contact at thecyclingpodcast.com. Send us an audio clip with your question if you can, um, or a written question if you prefer. But we, we prefer to hear your voice. So email us, contact at thecyclingpodcast.com. What's our French cultural corner for today, Francois? Um, well, I'll go for, for the word of the day. I think the word of the day is amateur. Uh, amateur uh, is, is the same word as in English. It means amateur. Even though in French sometimes it, 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 it gets uh, strange you know, overtones like, uh, oh, you're just an amateur. Tunique un amateur means... Uh, you're no good, you're not doing, you know, when amateur could be a very noble thing, you know, you do things because you love things. Uh, why do I, did I pick that word today? Because we were in Quillon, and Quillon has, has a very interesting sports background, not in cycling, well, in cycling as well, because there's one of the uh, longest standing criterion, the you know, postal criterion, the criterium de Quillon, uh, the, the Quillon criterion, you know, um, is, is one of the, the longest standing and, and it was one, one of the best in terms of prices as well. So that there's, a, there's, a, there's a strong cycling pass there, but they're, they're, they're a bavel known for their rugby past. And actually, they were French champions in 1929. Um, we drove past the rugby stadium today. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's tiny. I mean, it's a small town. It is very small town. But the, the, the thing that happened in, in, in those, at the end of the 1920s, it was called. It's still called U.S. Quillon, and it, it, it's a club that had been had been fashioned from scratch by an industrial hatter, hat maker Jean Bourrel, who actually anticipated the era of professionalism. And chapeau to him. Yeah, chapeau to him. Yeah, but and at the time, what he did, he plundered internationals from other clubs to launch the first three professional team in French rugby. But that was 1929. It was 60 years before rugby became professional. This contested approach led the international board to exclude France from international rugby during the 1930s. Because they actually, when they played the final of the French Championship in 1929, it was so violent uh, on the pitch that, uh, I mean, even the, the, the press of the time, you know, found that absolutely disgusting. Um, well, <laughs> they, they, were, they were playing against Lesignan, and uh, the, the, the coach of Lesignan was a guy called Jean Sebedio, uh, also known as the Sultan, and uh, was known, you know, in French rugby history as one of the most violent. Uh, I mean, it, uh, this guy, he, he had a skeleton, you know, hanging from the uh, in the dressing rooms for in in the dressing room reserved for the referee. There, there was a, there was a skeleton <laughs> hanging, and and every time the, the referee would say, "What's well, this?" He said, "Well, that's a referee we didn't like," you know. That was the kind of thing. So I I, I just read quickly a few a few words from Le Miroir des Sports, which was the the, the newspaper like L'Equipe on the day though in nineteen. The old match was a succession of brawls, pitch battles, or single combats interrupted from time to time by a few good class rugby moves. The players fought under the eye of the, of the director of the game without any severe, san severe sanction being applied to repress the improprieties or brutalities of one or the other. We saw this unique spectacle of players leaving the ball aside, fighting with punches and kicks, then separated by the referee, getting rid of the referee's intervention with violence to resume the fight with bare fists. That was rugby in the day. Well, that's what's that extraordinary. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, the population of Quillon is 3,238. It's, it's tiny. And yeah. for it to have this history, for it to win the French Championship, and for it to have That's this right. notoriety is quite and, amazing. And it, it was, and and so actually, all these guys playing for for Kion, I mean, the international board said, "Well, you're not amateurs; you're you're professional." And and the result of that was that Fr France were kicked out of the Five Nations tournament at the time of the Five Nations Championship. 
uh, by the international board and 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 well didn't make it back uh, until uh, World War II actually. So there you are Amazing. because because of Kion, because of this small place, yeah. in the foot of the Pyrenees, <laughs> France, you know, got, was kicked out of uh, international rugby. That was the the word of the day and the story of the day about Kion. That a sad story about the cheese of the day. The cheese of the day is called Tomette de Corbières. It's a, it looks absolutely great on paper, you know. So it, it was made with Grenache wine. So Grenache is one of my favorite, you know, grapes in the village of Villetritoul. And it's a, it's an unpasteurized sheep's milk cheese produced in the picturesque and rugged Corbières region, and it, which is known for its wine, honey, and goat cheese. And actually, there was only one farm doing that. that um, that uh, cheese uh, in the area, and it was led by a couple, uh, the, the Donny Chantal and Jean Gabriel Donny, and 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 they actually so it took two or three months of aging. Each cheese was washed twice a week with salt water and then sprayed with Grenache, a local handbook called uh, fortified wine that has sixty percent alcohol content. Can you imagine? Uh, unfortunately, uh, they retired those Donny uh, farmers and. It seems that the, nobody took over, and the Tomate de Corbières disappeared in the, you know, in the past of a, a French cheese making. So, I mean, if anybody lives in the area, and if you're familiar with Corbières, and you find Tomate de Corbières, and it's still uh, being made, well, let, let us know because I'd really like to. To, to taste this cheese. It's like a dead language. I mean, is, there, is anybody out there who's, 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 who's alive who's, who's tasted it? How intriguing. How sad, as you say. It is, Francois. absolutely. Well, we are in the Pyrenees now, very much so, aren't we? It, it, it feels very Pyrenean, um, very green hills. The sun is, well, it was shining directly on the mountain behind you there, Francois. A very beautiful scene. And uh, it, it feels nice to be in the Pyrenees, I think. Do you like the Pyrenees? I, I like the Pyrenees much more than I like the um, the Alps because I find the uh, uh, you know it's it's not that rugged and in the Alps it's very grey sometimes you got, you got these big cliffs of rock and it's kind of aggressive and uh, and the the, the 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 Pyrenees are never I mean are never so scary or frightening they they're like uh, softer Sublime. yeah they're, they're like hospit- hospitable uh, mountains <laughs> you know and so uh, yeah I like the, the the Pyrenees better than I do I ask I've asked riders very often the question I mean they ask all the time do you do you prefer Pyrenees of the or the Alps and uh, and why is that because some guys do well in the Pyrenees and other do well in do well in the Alps. And while Guillaume Martin, now second overall in the GC, told me that maybe it had to do with pollen you know, and uh, allergies, because he said he was always sneezing in the Alps and never in the Pyrenees. Who knows? Wow. <laughs> well, listen. Um, before we go tonight, we're going to play out. Well, we're going to play it with a guest song of the day, uh, and this comes from Gavin Francis, who's a uh, who's from London, a keen masters racer in the London Dynamo Cycling Club. He tells me um, he's composed a song, and it's inspired by your description of Terry Pogacar as the boy prince, Kate. You listened to this earlier, didn't you? It's really good. It's impressive. He sent us the lyrics as well, so we were able to study them. It's excellent. It's very craft-worky, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like electro stuff. But and I, I, really, I mean, I, I think we should we should ask our listeners if you have if you if you have a singing talent or you know send, send us. You try and get out of this, yeah. Francois. Of course, you know. I mean, I, I, I still be paid to do less, so please <laughs> please send songs. You send know, send in your songs if you can write them, but inspired somehow by the race, even better. <laughs> Let's play out with Gavin. Um, for the moment, thank you very much, Francois. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thank you.
Once again, boy, you saw the tone. Please, I'm not the 